Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami. Miami, Miami, you've got style. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2016. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you will ever need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott, and I am flying solo because Carrie is on a very special golden assignment. Uh, she really just couldn't make it, guys. That's all. She's, I just like saying golden assignment. Um, but we have a very special guest today. He's a longtime friend of mine, and it's this is a little bit of a different episode. We're not watching an episode this week. We It's a special guest of a notable fan of the Golden Girls, who hosts an incredible podcast, which I've done, which you guys need to check out, in addition to Out on the Lanai. And it's 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 perfect for you guys, because the things that he discusses on his podcast is very relevant to your fandom of the Golden Girls. So I'm so excited that he's in town, and that I'm able to talk with him, and I'm able to share him with you. And without further ado, Matt Baum! Oh, it's me! Hello! <laughs> it's Matt Baum, everyone. Now, surprise. Matt- you host a great podcast, The Sewers of Paris. Yep. And there's a car running away from us. <laughs> We're on the racetrack right because now. Because <laughs> we're he, out of the races. Yeah, he's so excited about that. He went, he's going home right now to subscribe <laughs> to your I podcast. I gotta get out of here. That yeah. needed like the Hanna Barbera. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about the name of The Sewers of Paris. How did oh that my come God. about? Yeah, so The Sewers of Paris is my podcast, but it is also. And what is it about? Uh, so, uh, what I do is every week I have a guest on and we talk about the entertainment that changed the lives of gay men. So, you know, we start with like Oscar Wilde and Madonna, and mm-hmm. uh, I just did an interview about the movie The Bodyguard. And God, I love The Bodyguard. <laughs> Remember when the scarf hit the knife and it just split in two? I don't think that's real. I don't think that's possible. I have a terrible confession. I've never seen it. How is that possible? <sighs> it may not be possible. Uh, maybe wow. I, I've seen it. I've just put it out of my mind. So there's, like, in you doing this remember. episode, I mean, in, in doing the show, in doing the series of Paris, I've learned, like, all these things, like, these cultural touchstones for gay men. Yeah. And I've really come to reject this idea. Like, a lot of gay men say, like, oh, I haven't seen, you know, whatever, The Wizard of Oz. I, I'm a bad gay or take away my gay card. Mm-hmm. And there is so much stuff out there that no one can possibly have a fully stamped gay card. You know, I have oftentimes, and I'm sure many people listening to the podcast right now can relate to this, being uber Golden Girls fans, when, especially if you're a gay man um, and you encounter another gay man and you tell them you love the Golden Girls and then they say, oh, I've never seen it, there is, like, just a sudden moment <gasps> of, like, what the fuck? Who are you? Mm-hmm. How how have you never... Like, to yeah. me, it is shocking that someone can live in 2016 <laughs> and have grown up to be an adult human being, 18 years and up, and not have ever experienced the Golden Girls, considering that it is in syndication on three different cable networks. I do feel that that feeling of like, how who has done this to you? Yeah, like, who has taken the Golden and Girls? And also, how me? can you be a gay man, especially gay men, you know, and not have seen and gay men and women 
are based, love you guys, um, and not have seen the gold. It makes no sense to me. I'm, I, you know, but I, and I, think I try to be of, diplomatic, but I'm not. <laughs> I think I, that I, transcends gay, though, because like it's just something for all people. It is true. There's a lot of we have a there's a. Um, I hope he's listening. I'm gonna give him a shout out. Um, our, so VIP guest of this podcast is Elliot Glazer. Mm. I'm sure you're aware. He's Broad City. He's a uber Golden Girls fan, fellow Golden Girls tattoo. Uh, person um, and there, he 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 writes for New Girl this season and we have a new fan of the podcast listening who also is a writer on New Girls and I, I hope I'm not outing you but you're a straight man and <laughs> he is a he's a straight man who loves the Golden Girls and there's lots of straight men out there who love the Golden Girls so you're right it does transcend yeah. in a lot of ways it's just a funny show it's just funny but there is and we've talked about it we had a co- episode a couple of weeks ago about Orlando and where we talked about the the cultural significance of um, why the Golden Girls resonates with gay people mm-hmm. and I'm glad you're here today and we're doing this because your podcast does specifically talk to things that resonate with gay men but I'm going to say queer people in general because I don't want to isolate yeah. you know women who probably also have just as much of a cultural identification with some of this gay content so um, or perceived gay content uh, so the sewers of Paris where did you come up with the name yes okay so that right. Um so Years ago, this is 2013, like way, way the long past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the Supreme Court. Uh, this what? is not the direction you thought this story was no. going to take. So uh, I worked on the trial to overturn Prop 8. Wow. Uh, I was uh, doing communications and stuff for the nonprofit that funded the trial. So I was at the Supreme Court. What was, it? What was the nonprofit? It was the American Foundation for Equal Rights. Yes. And so I had this little YouTube show called Marriage News Watch mm-hmm. where I talked about what happened with marriage equality that week. Yeah. And uh, so I was at... The Supreme Court in D.C. for oral argument on the Prop 8 case. Everyone's laughing a little bit about oral argument. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. Only uh, I am, actually, probably. Really? Yes, it's oral argument. I prefer oral agreement. Uh, anyway. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so afterwards, uh, I actually got to go in and sit in the Supreme Court. It is a terrifying experience. Okay, can we talk about Elena Kagan? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. I once, this is totally off topic, but... I was in D.C. for the inauguration. Okay. 2012. Okay. Actually, it was 2013 at that time. The re-inauguration. Yes, yes. And I was in a bookstore in D.C. in DuPont, famous bookstore. I forget the name of it now, but it's, a, it's like the bookstore in DuPont Circle. And in walks Elena Kagan. Now, the Supreme Court... Supreme Court justices famously, historically, do not have security protection. I don't know if you guys know this, but because of a principle in the Constitution, they feel that they don't need, that it's just a, that ju- justices of the peace are, should be of the peace. They should be of the people. And so they have no security detail. They have no secret service that ever protect them. So she just moseys on in in her nice, long, sort of like raincoat situation. And everyone else in there is all like, <laughs> Keeping cool, keeping that DC <laughs> face, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that's me, what people do in LA when like Tippy Hedron walks in the room. Not me, I never do. <laughs> I am always like, no, this is my moment. I'm freaking out. Like, I need to freak out, and I, I, con- in a controlled way, freak out over Elena Kagan. So I'm towering over her, and I'm standing next to the girl with the dragon tattoo display case. That's what was happening then, and I just tell her. I love you. And she laughs. And then I say, goodbye. (laughs) And then I walk away. And that was my Elena Kagan. That's as well as I think that interaction could have gone. I think so. Because she had no security, so I could have have really done a number. I wanted to hug her. 
But I didn't. Anyway, so you walked in. Yeah, anyway, so so I was in the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they let you do this thing where, um, like, if you can't get tickets, because it's, like, thousands of dollars to get tickets to the big high-profile cases at the Supreme Court. You have to pay the Supreme Court to get a ticket? You don't pay the Supreme Court. You pay the line sitters. So you have what? To, yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. Who are the line sitters? They're people who uh, are like just like you know they do for like concerts and things. It's like oh, okay, like Broadway, yeah. which I think actually I think um, Broadway's like made a new rule that you can't do that. I don't know the rules, but anyway, I want to be a line sitter. So for the Supreme Court, for if it's like a nothing case that nobody cares about, like you yeah. can just saunter on in. But if it's a big one like the gay marriage cases, yeah, uh, you have to pay somebody like thousands of bucks to like sit out there for days How to reserve space in line. I fortunately did this thing where. Uh, if you just want to like pop your head in, yeah, uh, you can stand in a different line like that day, yeah. and you stand in line for a couple hours, and then they give you a little ticket and they walk you in single file, and you have to be very quiet. And if you t- try to take a picture of anything, they'll shout at you, "No pictures," which yeah. happened to me. Yeah. And uh, then you have to put all your possessions into a locker. Oh, locker. And um, I mean, it's like you're going into an airlock into the space station. Wow. And like they march you very quietly into this room just to yeah. impress upon you: do not make a fucking noise. Yeah. Sorry, can I swear? Is that yeah? Okay. Go ahead. Can't shit. Whatever. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. yeah, Don't mind if I do. Uh, And so you walk in, and, like, they have this special part of the Supreme Court that's cordoned off behind these curtains. Mm -hmm. And um, you can just barely sit you down in these chairs, and if you, like like crane your neck around like peek around the curtains yeah. you can just make out like Scalia leaning back in his chair looking bored uh, R.I.P. a yeah, little bit a little bit um, and so you get to do that for like a couple seconds yeah. so you get to sit there and watch for a little while I wrote about this in my book which we, we talk about later in my book yeah. Finding Marriage um, so then I got to go there for five minutes I'm like woo that was great uh, yeah. and then I walked across the street to the Library of Congress yeah uh, and I wanted to see the files of Frank Kameny, who is this mm-hmm. sort of pre-Harvey Milk. He was a LGBT activist before LGBT was even a term. Google.com, guys. Mm-hmm. Frank Kameny, super important. He coined yeah. the term gay is good. Oh, interesting. Because uh, he was fired from his job at the government, and he became this activist for, you know, because people who were gay couldn't have jobs at the time. Yeah. Um, so they, all of his papers are at the Library of Congress, and I'm flipping through them, looking at all this, like, gay ephemera from the 1970s. Yeah. And it's a lot of, like, ads for bathhouses, and uh, there's uh, a newsletter about, like, at the time, this was, like, early 80s or so that I found, um, one of the big things was police raids on cruising spots. And so there's a lot of legal help for people who are arrested for just making eyes at each other over the bushes in a park. Um, But this is a very long story to get you to this ad for a bathhouse. No, it wasn't a bathhouse. It was a bar. It was a bar here in Los Angeles called the Sewers of Paris. It was in Hollywood, back when Hollywood was the gay neighborhood instead of West Hollywood. Yeah. So it was around like Coenga and something. Interesting. And um, yeah, it was this uh, place called the Sewers of Paris. Their signature drink was the manhole cover. Of course. And it's this full-page lovely ad that says something like, don't just grab a hamburger, which was kind of a dig at like the hamburger place that was at the big gay gathering. And come a hamburger yourself. place was a big gay gathering? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I you know, the, the place in West Hollywood that's still there across hamburger from the Hamburger Mary's? Abbey. No. Oh, no, that the place. other one. That, yeah. The shack. That, you know, the one that's the, the sign. It's the weirdest sign. It says, almost every day people tell us we have the best hamburgers in town. That's great. It's like, what? I almost like every day? What yeah. happens on the days when they don't? You know, living. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a good hamburger day. Yeah. Anyway, so the Sewers of Paris was the name of this place. And so I wanted to give the podcast a name that both harkened back to into the annals of gay history. That's great. Uh, and also suggested, like, the glittering city above and the underbelly below. And we go beneath the surface yeah. on the gay culture that made a difference. Well, and in terms of gay history and the Golden Girls, I mean, there's so... Of course, they're relevant. I mean, we've talked about this in the Orlando podcast. But um, what a lot of people, I don't think, 
realize is in terms of what the girls did for sort of gay equality and gay youth and sort of the future of gay mm. youth. B. Arthur, when she died, um, part of her estate went towards the uh, uh, LGBT youth homeless shelter yeah. um, in New York. And uh, and that was totally unexpected. Like she, she hadn't, from what I know, she had no gay children, but she directly understood the impact of gay history, the importance of preserving that history, and also the importance of preserving the leaders of tomorrow and yeah. these kids who are, you know, most affected by by homelessness, which is the, I think, number one group of kids in this country who are homeless are LGBT people. So yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, so B. Arthur, head of the curve there. They are every single one of them saints. Yeah. You know. So, okay, your podcast looks at popular culture and how it has influenced gay men and you interview gay men who yep. have a connection to something. You've interviewed me. I think we talk, we talk mainly about Bette Midler um, and the Golden Girls. We kind of went all over the place, I think. Yeah. That, my, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have a lot. So, uh, oh, and Bette is so good. Like, She's really she, good. Yeah. She should have been a guest on the Golden Girls. But... Can you, that's weird that she hasn't. I mean, she didn't really do TV. Yeah, I suppose not. You know, she could have she been a lounge singer or something. Yeah. She, but, you know, the 80s was like, she was doing other things. Yeah. She was doing Down and Out in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but considering that, and considering this is a Golden Girls podcast, how, we'll take the premise of The Sewers of Paris and flip it on the Golden Girls with you. So, like, how has the Golden Girls influenced your life and work? Well, so... Uh, I discovered Golden Girls when I was in college, and I can't really take credit for it because we were living with... In this, college? How in old college. are you? I'm 30, I'm okay. 30, 35. Okay. Uh, same age as Jack Same Fanny. age as me. Yeah. Sort of. I'm <laughs> you're younger. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were living uh, with the head of the Musical Theater Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can believe That's it... That's not gay. The head of the Musical Theater Society was a flamboyant gay man yeah. uh, named Carlos, who was just wonderful. And mm. he introduced us to the show that somehow, like... You know, to me, Golden Girls was like, oh, isn't that a show for old people? Like, I just didn't get it. I'd never seen really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, It just, like, passed me by. Yeah. Um, so you you would be one of the dates that, if the, if for not for Carlos, you would be the type of guy that I hear, oh, I've never seen the Golden Girls, and I would have a heart attack. I must, I, I like to think that maybe I, I would have picked up on it from someone, yeah. somewhere along the line. Yeah. Because I'm such a fan now. Yeah. Um, but so we used to watch it as a group, like in the little dorm suite. It was yeah. me and Carlos and our friend Liz, who actually I'm still friends with this day. I'm staying with her now that I'm staying in L.A. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was around that time that I met my partner, my now partner, like, yeah. oh my God, like 16 years ago. Wow. Uh, and you James. guys live in Seattle now, right? We live in Seattle now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, you're just in L.A. for a visit. Yeah, 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 come down to L.A. to see the gays, and to, nice. I'm actually going to a heterosexual wedding. Oh, interesting. Here. Yes. Those, those are rare. Um, so, uh, so those people you discovered the Golden Girls with, mm-hmm. what was your life be- like before that? Were you out? Were you, what was, I mean, where were you in your Gayness. Gayness, yeah. <laughs> so I was really fortunate when I was a teenager. Uh, I was in a really good environment to come out. Yeah. My dad was uh, doing HIV research for the CDC, so he had a lot of gay coworkers. Yeah. Um, my parents are both atheists, so we didn't have any oh. religious baggage around that kind of stuff. Uh, my mother actually was a, when she was in grad school, did research on uh, gay men's health. Uh, wow. And both my parents were anthropologists, and so yeah. So you were okay. I was okay. I yeah. was in a good place. <laughs> you were in a very good place. Yeah, yeah. Well, even more reason why you didn't discover the Golden Girls early, though. Weird, right? But yeah. I also was living in the suburbs in Connecticut, so there was no gay oh. culture. There was no like community. Yeah. I mean, it was whatever you made of uh, drama club. Basically, yeah. was was the the gay community. Yeah. 
and so, yeah, I was just a, a little too young for Golden Girls when it was on, mm-hmm. and also a little too nerdy. Like, I was very into Star Trek, and, like, yeah. Golden Girls just didn't offer anything to me as yeah. a young gay nerd. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was old enough, I guess I guess Golden Girls comes to you when you're ready for it. <laughs> and so I was coming out, you know, I was, I was done. I was out. I was, like, mm-hmm. ready to be gay. I was in college. I was dating another guy at the time. And I never came out. Really? Never had to. Yeah. Everyone just knew. Did Literally, from a young age, everyone, I, my mother, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but my mom, I think, would have been disappointed if I hadn't been gay. And she would, when we were kids, would tell us, oh, Fraser wants to say hello, hello but he's yeah. allergic. Yeah, I, uh, I can say hello, but I can't touch you. Um, I hope you guys heard that meow. Uh, my mom would <laughs> yeah, always... Yeah, I was talking to the cat. Yes. My mom would always say, when you guys grow up and have kids, and then there would be a caveat for me, and she would be like, or adopt. And mm-hmm. so there was always that alternative. Mm-hmm. So I never had to come out. I was always kind of yeah. out, yeah. you know, loving the Golden Girls. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I guess it's one of those things. So, but they came to you. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. And so it was like a thing in our circle of, yeah. like, no rose became a thing. Yeah. So whenever somebody did something stupid, we're like these college students being like, no rose. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe like 5% of our peers understood what we were talking about. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so no rose was a big thing yeah. at our school for a little while in our circle. Yeah. Um, and we were just, oh my God. And so one of us, Carlos, eventually got to meet B. Arthur. Oh. Yes. Wow. As How did, did that change everyone's lives? He was flabbergasted. Uh, he was the head of the Musical Theater Society. I remember how like thrilled he was about this because she was coming to speak yeah. at the school. This is Emerson College in Boston. Wow. And so she was coming to speak, and he was in charge of arranging her <gasps> ride from the airport. <gasps> and, oh, my God. And so apparently there was some kind of mix-up, and the car was not there. And so he got a voicemail from B. Arthur that was this profanity-laced thing. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what the fuck happened to my fucking car. And she wasn't like mad. It was just how she was talking. Yeah. Uh, And so she left him this email. And like in the same way that like Beatles fans wouldn't wash their hands after like just brushing their fingertips over the Beatles in a line. Like Carlos, I don't think ever erased like did anything to his voice. He mail. still has that Nokia brick phone <laughs> yes. that, that plays that Can voice. Can you imagine mail. getting an angry voicemail from B. Arthur? I mean, oh my god. Well, we our past guest on the show, Jim Colucci, he wrote a book mm-hmm. um, called Golden Girls Forever, which is, I have here. And that is an amazing episode, by the way. It is oh, like the must listen episode yeah. of Out on the Lanai. Jim's great. Jim is the best, and he has a fantastic story. You guys should go back and listen to Jim's um, story about him interviewing B. Arthur because it's. Incredible! It's just such a spot-on story. Have you ever met any of the Golden Girls? Never. No, you you came to L.A. then. Yep. When did you move to L.A.? Uh, it was around 2011, I think, because I yeah. was in San Francisco, and then I started working on the Prop 8 stuff and moved down here because this is where all the fundraising was happening for, yeah. the, for the trial. Yeah, and so much now of your work, because, I mean, I guess post-Prop 8, you you more of a writer, and you were doing... Oh, you were working for Queerty, right? Yeah, so I wrote for Queerty for a little while. Now yeah. I write for The Stranger. Yeah. Um, and uh, occasionally I do photos for The Advocate. Yeah. And uh, I do a lot of um, just independent stuff now. So I do a lot of YouTube yeah. videos and I got my, my podcast. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever whatever lovely writing opportunities come along. And a lot of it focuses on queer pop culture and yeah. queer sort of, and how, you know, pop culture has influenced queer life in a way that that is for the better. And I think Golden Girls is a wonderful example of that especially in relation to your book like so you have a book about the defending marriage and uh, or defining marriage um 
Defending, would you ever? Did you ever consider calling it defending marriage? Ooh, did that ever cross no, your mind? I don't know because because uh, <laughs> you know defining uh, they, they always accuse us. Of, oh, they want to redefine marriage, mm-hmm. and you know as if marriage has never been redefined, as if marriage has been like this one static thing forever. So I have a YouTube video about how marriage, like traditional marriage, has been a billion different things, many of them horrible. Yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah, because marriage like evolves with the times. Yeah, and, like it gets better and better and better and better as yeah. as, as we've seen. So. I'm sure your book, I, I have not read your book and I feel bad about that, but I That's want okay. to read that book now. Um, but considering that it is called Defining Marriage and considering that you are such a Golden Girls fan, I'm not going to ask the question, the serious, mature question about what your thoughts were on, on what the process of the book. I'm going to ask you how the Golden Girls episodes about marriage um, impacted mm. your writing of the book. Oh my God. That, <laughs> I, you know, that is a totally, selfish question. That is such an like, yeah. important question, actually. Is because it? Oh, good. That scene, that famous scene of Sophia and Blanche mm-hmm. talking about Blanche's, uh, Clayton. Yeah. Um, where Sophia says. That episode's coming up, you got Not. Not that episode, but the episode where Clayton comes out is coming mm-hmm. up in the podcast. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the I mean, Golden Girls is so magical about the number of gay episodes that they had. Because, I mean, so many. you look at, like, even shows, like, long into the future, long past that, never even had one gay yeah. episode. And Golden Girls was so good about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the showrunners, like, Soap had a gay character, like, yeah. first major mainstream gay character. What's interesting is... The especially at the first season, we learned this on Stan Zimmerman's episode. Um, there weren't many gay writers on mm. Golden Girls. Yeah, shocking. Isn't I mean, it? down you the line, you had Mark Cherry and you had Zimmerman and you know a, a handful of others. But for the most, it was mainly straight white men. Yeah, and women. There was Susan Harris, of course. But there's that sensibility there, and yeah. I think it's something that like uh, 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 Designing Women has. Yeah, and and Murphy Brown too. I think there's Murphy like, Brown. <laughs> I love Murphy Brown. There's just this magic of like the strong female characters yeah. that like instantly gay men just like okay we get it we get yeah. you yeah, yeah. We're, we're there so how did the marriage episode oh yeah yeah so you know just like seeing that like uh, how you make it so instantly like that scene is all of like what a minute and a half yeah and it is 1980 something and like most of America is like ooh gay people what gross no yeah and like in like 90 seconds those writers are able to get the audience on the side yeah. of a gay marriage. Yeah. And they do it by saying, what is it that you want, everyone? You want somebody to be happy with? You want to settle down? You want someone to grow into old age with? Yeah. That's exactly what gay people want. They're just like you. And it crosses, like it bridges that divide mm-hmm. so magically. Yeah. Um, and so that like really opened my eyes to like, you know, we've known for a long time that that's how you get people on the side of marriage equality. Yeah. And seeing how masterfully they're able to do it on the show. Yeah. Um, In such a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And that really, so my book, Defining Marriage, is very much, it's about the personal story. So it's not about the strategy, and it's not about the legal stuff, and it's not about, like, the politics of it. Yeah. It's about the individual people and the lives that they're leading. And so, you know, it was really important to me to do that so that we could yeah. have personal stories, because that's what really So what resonates. kind of stories did you show? Like, is there one that stands oh, out? Oh, yeah. There's a couple. There's actually... And did um, they like the Golden Girls? I, let's assume that they did, <laughs> all decent people do. Yes. Um, although, I will say, actually, like, that's not strictly true, because I interviewed someone for Sewers of Paris who talked about how he liked soap better, and I, it's very... Better than the Golden Girls? Better than the Golden Girls. How do you even compare Girls. the two? I, you know, I understand. And how old was he? He, oh, I was going to say he's almost 40. Maybe, actually, maybe like 40, 40 and a bit. Alive during soap. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I think what it is, is not to like turn this into a soap podcast, but no. soap has a lot of magic. Soap is very sophisticated yeah. um, and, and daring. It is a very brave yeah. and wacky show. Yeah. They not only had a, initially it was a gay character, but then that, 
I don't know how much I like the, the gayness of the show, but um, they had a gay character, yep. which was Billy Crystal, yeah. and then eventually he became a trans character. No, he won in the first season. He was he, going to transition for his boyfriend. Oh, okay. Uh, and his boyfriend left him, and... Um, Jody, yeah, he—it's—it's it, it's not handled the way we would handle it today. No, definitely not. And then eventually, this character, this so gay character, probably had more girlfriends than boyfriends on this show. Yeah, because uh, there's this whole—and it's a great storyline. There's a yeah. beautiful storyline where he wins custody of. Spoiler alert for a show from 40 years ago. He <laughs> wins custody of his baby uh, yeah. that he had with a woman. Um, and, it, you know, it's this remarkable thing where a gay man is deemed a more responsible father than a heterosexual woman. And it's pretty powerful. Interesting. Wow. Um, and so those are the people who went on to create uh, the Golden Girls. Yeah, I mean, Susan Harris. She she was... And then, of course, you know, Susan Harris kept it in the family and Richard Mulligan for Empty Nest. And mm-hmm. She just kind of kept it going. God, love that Susan Harris. Yeah. If you're listening, you're not. But if you were, <laughs> you would be hearing how much we love you. You're probably sleeping right now. Chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, but... <laughs> anyway, I can't remember what tangent brought us down that road, but... Well, it was, it was about, uh, the stories about, in your book, a personal story that you would... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. So there are, oh, there's so many good ones, but, like, one of the ones that stands out to me is, like, they're not, like, you know, important in the grand scheme politically, but there's yeah. this one couple, these two boys, in Central California, and, you know, Central California is sort of, like, the south of the state. Yeah. Uh, it's very conservative, yeah. it's Farmland, Bakersfield, yeah. it's very, yeah, it's, in California, it is probably, it's where all the Republican votes come from. Yeah. It's where, it's how Republicans get elected in the state. Yep. They don't really often, but, you know. So one of them, one of these guys came from a very conservative Mormon family, mm-hmm. and the other one had uh, a more progressive family. His mother, like, was a bra-burning feminist in the 1970s. Um, oh, so Pretty progressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they met at, like, this gay men's mixer in Fresno. Uh, and, you know, they, you know, are kind of giving each other eyes, and then they totally forgot about each other for, like, months after that. And then, oh, no, actually, I have that backwards. What happened, they first met at Disneyland. Uh, It was, like, gay days, and they passed each other, and they made eyes at each other, and then just totally did not meet each other, no mutual friends, just, like, checked each other out. Months later, they happened to meet at this mixer, gay men's mixer in Fresno. Yeah. And uh, they got along pretty well, and things were going pretty good, and um, they were planning a wedding, like... You know, they'd been together for maybe like a year or two, and they were planning a wedding like down the road. And then Prop 8 was going to happen, the marriage ban. Marriage was temporarily legal over the summer in California, mm-hmm. but it was looking like this ballot thing was going to pass to, to ban it. And so they had this choice to make. Do we want to wait a while uh, for, you know, one of them, his brother was serving overseas in, in the Middle East, and he wanted his brother to be there. And yeah. So they're like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to pass. Do we have this wedding? And eventually they decided, no, no, we're going to take our chances. We're going to hope that Prop 8 doesn't pass. So they didn't get married. Oh. They wake up the next day, and the ballots are, like, all still being, you know, the last ballots are being counted, but it's like, all right, it's going to pass. It's, you know, lands, not landslide, but, you know, it's yeah. far enough in, in favor of Prop 8 that marriage is banned. All the county clerks around the state are like, all right, we've immediately halted marriage. But they're like, should we, do you want to, one of them said to the other, do you want to, do you want to see if there's anything we can do? So they start calling around. They call clerk to clerk to clerk. And uh, finally they find this one person, like, an hour away who's like, yeah, sure, uh, not until, like, the final thing is certified. So probably, like, later this day we'll stop doing them. Wow. And so one of them calls into work and he's like, um, is it all right if I don't come in because uh, we want to try to get married? And his boss is like, yes, yes, go, go. Yeah. Um, and so they drive as fast as they can, like, an hour down the freeway to get to this place. The clerk is like, here are your forms. Fill this out. And she, like, hesitates when she hands it to him. She's like, now nah, I really don't know how this is going to work. Because there was a lot of doubt. Like, yeah. do all the, like, 
tens of thousands of people got married, is their marriage going to be invalidated? Reality check, guys. We're talking about two people getting married. Yeah. Like, we're talking about two people doing the most normal American thing possible outside of paying taxes. Yeah. And a woman is saying, I'm not sure if this is going to happen, Mm -hmm. but here's the paperwork. Here's the form. Give like you would at the library, getting a library card. It would yeah. be like filling out a library card and then the library saying, I don't know if they're going to allow gay people to get library books, cards. Because yeah. you don't read. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how normal this is. Yeah. Shocking. And so, this was only a couple years ago. Yeah, 2008. Yeah. Um, and so they fill out the forms and then they have to go and they have to find like a justice of the peace or something, something like that because they're not doing the actual ceremonies in the clerk's office. Yeah. Fortunately, one of them happened to know somebody in this town who'd been ordained and so they rush off to the hotel where this guy works. He's like a clerk at the hotel. <laughs> and he's like, I reserved I reserved the ballroom for you guys and like come into the ballroom and they fill everything out and like family's starting to trickle in Aww. from like, you know, they're two hours away or an hour and a half away. They're all like converging on this hotel. They That's fill everything so out. so sweet. They, he makes a mistake. They have to white out something and fill it out and find, you know finishes the form sign everything they rush back to the clerk the clerk's like I can't accept forms that have white out on them and so <laughs> they oh. have to like rush back to the hotel fill out everything again and like this whole time they're watching on their phone like the, the official results yeah, like tallying yeah. up 80% has been counted and 82% has been counted 87% oh has been counted God. they rush back like it is in the 90s when they submit this final paperwork stamp okay your marriage Whew. And so they were the last gay couple to get married in California when Prop 8 passed. Wow. And so then it was years until until it, until it got overturned by yeah. the Supreme Court. Amazing. So they're but one of the many like incredible couples. I have an interview with like, the woman who was like, one of the first, we think, the first government official to knowingly issue a license to a gay couple. Her name's in San Clula, Francisco? It, no, her name's Clula Rorex, and she was in Colorado. And these two guys came in. They're like, we want to get married. She's like... I don't know about this, uh, but she was very young. She was very liberal. She'd run for this office because someone had told her, it's got to be a man. Man has to run for this office. No chance a woman's going to win. She's like, oh, fuck you. And so she ran, won. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. She won because she was young and she spoke to college students. And college students had just gotten the right to vote in Boulder. Uh, they oh just God. lowered the voting age. So f- total fluke that she managed to like get into office. She'd been there like just a couple weeks when yeah. these guys come in. They're like, we want to get married. She's like... I don't see why not, and gives him a license. Wow. And it has been literally, and it was just last month that the litigation from that, in 1975, she gave that license out. Uh, litigation just last month wrapped up. That's amazing. It was this binational couple who also she gave a license to, yeah. Richard and Tony. One of them passed away, and one of them was from, uh, I can't remember if he was in Australia or New Zealand, whatever. Um, yeah. So she gave them a license. They said, okay, we're going to sponsor you for, for getting a green card. Mm-hmm. And INS replied, they said, uh, tr- trigger alert, trigger warning for like some bad language coming up. The yeah. INS said, you have failed to establish that a bona fide marital relationship can exist between two faggots. That was their official wow. letter from the INS. Uh, Amazing. So they had to go undercover for years. And just last month, um, immigration naturalization or whatever it is now, uh, wrote them an apology. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Literally wow. 40 years later. Guys, I can't. This is too... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Defining Marriage is the book, and you can get it at definingmarriage.com mm-hmm. or, you know, anywhere else, like the Amazons or the online Barnes & Noble, at Barnes & Noble, probably? I don't uh, know how these things work. I don't know. That's a good question, but it's probably. definitely on Amazon. You should go to your bookstore and look for it, and then you should demand it. And then you should have them order it yes. and do it really loudly so that other people hear you um, 
asking for it. And while you're at it, you should also get Golden Girls Forever, Jim's book. Um, and there's also a companion podcast to it called Defining Marriage as well. Yeah, yeah. My partner yeah. and I, we, we babble about whatever's happening with marriage equality that week. And there's still stuff happening. They're crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Australia's about to vote on prime minister to, well, they're not voting on prime minister, but uh, they do things very complicated. It's a, it's a parliament. I'm going to suggest an episode for you. Um, doing an episode about a person who can't get married mm. because they watch too much of the Golden Girls and thus can't they find don't a... I don't have time to find <laughs> a partner. Um, sure. I know him. And really? And he, he would love to do the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I'll let him know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and your podcast, the other one, yeah. is called The Sewers of Paris. Sewers of Paris. And what's like... So this is going out on the 5th. So what... Like, what's the next podcast for you? Oh, You're going around LA filming people right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing all these interviews. Uh, I just talked to uh, so I just had a great episode with this guy uh, in Argentina mm. who uh, was growing up in the 70s and 80s, and uh, the Falklands War happened in '82. Yeah. yeah, and so he went from being a teenager with no access to the world's culture. He could only listen to Argentinian music because yeah, yeah. of this blockade on culture. Yeah, to um, suddenly the floodgates are open, mm-hmm. and in comes Boy George and Annie Lennox, Madonna, and Soft Cell, and Madonna. Donna and all this like the music of the 80s and like all this queer stuff and um like it was just like an I would imagine if just like one day you woke up and there's all that stuff coming at you that's amazing so I just did him his name is is Gus and he's in Argentina I just did another one with the guy here is he Uh, single I love Argentinian men he I don't know I think I don't actually no no he he does he does a podcast with his partner god damn it yes yeah Uh, and then I just did an interview with David Russell who's uh, Sia's Mm -hmm. manager yeah Um, and uh, we talked uh, extensively about Madonna yeah Um, no he's a huge Madonna fan yes he's a tattoo Madonna uh, and then I did one with, um, oh gosh, uh, Stephen Rowley, who just uh-huh. wrote uh, uh, Lily and the Octopus. Yeah. Uh, and another with Byron Lane, who has this great uh, web series called Last Will and Testicle. Yeah. Uh, who, big fan of yours, by the way. Oh, I that's mentioned sweet. that I was going to go talk to you. And he's yeah. like, oh, tell him I say hello. I love his show. People yes. with cancer stick together. <laughs> um, and what's the video? Is that that's the video you're going around town filming? Uh, yeah. So those are just strictly audio only for, okay. for Sewers of Paris. Um, but then, aside from, like, Sewers of Paris, the podcast, I also do YouTube videos about yeah. entertainment and culture. I have one about the Golden Girls, actually. That's wonderful. I did one about the, the lesbian episode. The, yes, I mean, that 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 was a great episode for us. We, I think that was our live episode. That was our first oh, live yeah. episode. That's yeah, perfect. Lesbian. That's lesbian. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. You know, and I actually found that episode, because I'd never seen that one when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I found it through, do you know this uh, podcast um, called JudyCast? No. You would love this. Judy Cast. Yeah. Tell me about it. So it's this one guy who does an entire podcast with this huge cast, cavalcade of stars, but they're all just him doing voices. Um, oh, wait. Is this the guy who does the Judy Garland videos, like the stop animation? No, oh, no, no. But similar similar idea, but a little okay. different. So um, it's this guy, Bill Fair, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he started doing this like years ago. Uh, and hasn't updated in a long time. And I keep like pushing him. I'm like, I really want you to do more episodes. Yeah. Um, and but he's a perfectionist, and so it takes like years, literally years. He'll, yeah. he'll tinker with an episode, uh, and then it comes out, and like the world rejoices. <laughs> anyway, so he has this one episode, and the, the episodes themselves are just like you know, just at home. Uh, it's Judy Garland talking to Carol Channing, <laughs> and uh, Bernadette Peters is there, I love that. and Pia Zadora comes in, and I don't know Maria Callas. Is uh, B. Arthur there? By. I don't know. We should ask him if he's ever done B. Arthur. We'll ask him. 
Oh. Yeah. So uh, this one episode, and they're just t- talking about like pop culture. It's yeah. basically like, what if Judy Garland, what if Frances Gum had a podcast where she talks about <laughs> pop culture? And then one episode starts with the Golden Girls music. And it, you know, it's like that, that kind of music. And then the characters th- that you're used to hearing of Judy and Carol Channing yeah. and for some reason, Gollum is a character on the show. Okay. Sure. Uh, they're all talking to each other, but it's in this very bantery sort of way, and yeah. there's a laugh track. And then you realize oh. they're just doing verbatim an episode of The Golden Girls. Really? Yes. That's an episode of Judy Cast. It's an episode of Judy Cast. Oh, everyone, we need to go check that out. I haven't heard it. I'm going to hear it, and we can feel... We'll, I'll post it on the podcast, this podcast yeah. page, and we will... We'll have a conversation about and it. And so it's it's Judy Garland plays uh, the the lesbian friend whose name I've forgotten now. Jean. Jean. Judy yeah. Garland plays the Jean character, and Gollum plays wait, Sophia. Does he just do the whole script? He does the whole script. He does oh the whole my half god! Hour I can't wait to listen to this. It's amazing. It's Judy Cast amazing. guys. I'm, yeah. I'm, we're promoting so many podcasts on this episode. <laughs> uh, this is great. This is super great. So. At the end of every podcast, we do a golden takeaway. Mm-hmm. It's a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or to the lives of our listeners. Since this wasn't a normal episode, and usually we get that golden takeaway based on the episode we just watched, mm. I'm going to have you do a golden takeaway based on all that you've learned from the queer people that have talked to you about mm. For the Sewers of Paris. What's the golden takeaway of queer culture and entertainment culture? Do not strand B. Arthur at the airport. <laughs> That's good. Do not. Don't, don't mess with B. Yes. Arthur. You'll never be heard from again. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Matt, this has been incredible. It's, it's very hot here in Los Angeles, guys, and <laughs> we have to turn off all air to do a podcast. And so right now, I... I'm stuck to this couch. Um, that's how hot it is. No, it has been great having you here. We need to, everyone listening right now needs to go to thesewersofparis.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can start with my episode and then you can go, that's out, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the other episodes. Um, but you can start with mine. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you know, more things coming. Where can they follow you on the interwebs? Oh, my God. I'm on everything. So if you find Matt Baum, I'm, I'm basically Matt Baum, M-A-T-T-B-A-U-M-E. Yeah. It's like the Wizard of Oz author, only spelled differently. So that's not a helpful <laughs> mnemonic device at all. It's uh, B-A-U-M-E. Uh, so I'm that on Twitter, and I'm that on Instagram, and I'm that on Facebook, and I'm on YouTube. And uh, you can watch me talk about the lesbian episode on YouTube. Oh, I cannot wait to hear that. I'm all over the place. We'll post that on the podcast page as well. Yeah. This episode, fabulous, and uh, yeah, it was so great having you here. It's, I love it. We've been this has been so you know long in the making because you live in Seattle. So. I know, but here so, I am. And guys, we have a awesome, awesome, awesome next episode coming up. It is Sophia's wedding, part one and two. It is a two-parter episode. We have so many fun things planned for it that we almost had to like this week just breathe it out. You know what I mean? Like, we can't... It was too much for us to start anything this week. That's... That should be the golden assignment. That's where I said, Mm. like, carries away preparing for this episode. <laughs> it's just, um, in, like, yeah, like in a nunnery, like, yeah, secluded, as cloistered from exactly. the world. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta do breathing She exercise. can do that because she, like, she has a man in her life where mm. I have decided my birthday is in five days from the airing of this episode. And uh, I decided to delete all apps. Um, so no apps for the age of 35 or 34. 
and uh, and see how that goes for me. And okay. It, it's going to last for like 72 any hours. any apps at all? None. Okay. No, I'm, all dating is going to be either setups through friends. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just dating apps are, are, are out? Or like, Look up apps, too. Everything. Or, okay. So, no, like, <laughs> all dating apps. You know okay. what I mean? Okay, like, so you can still like, use iCal. Like, OkCupid. Okay <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll use iCal. OkCupid, okay Grindr, Scruff, like, Tinder, all those. No more. Good. 34, yeah. 34, and I'm going to be going to be a very quiet year probably um a lot of golden girls so mm-hmm. you guys are gonna have a lot of me for a year uh and i am h allen scott you can follow me on everything and of course this has been out on the lanai you can go to out on the for all kinds of fun you can add us on face page or the tweets or the tumblr so many loves out there to follow us and this has been a headgum podcast so much fun you should check out all the other podcasts on headgum there's a friends podcast there's a gilmore girls podcast so much i like overdue Oh, yeah, yes. It's a good one. They talk about yeah, the Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, HeadGum, guys. Go to HeadGum.com for more. And we are hosted on Spreaker. And if you want to help us with maybe upping the audio quality of this podcast or sending us on the road to your town, you can go to outonthelanai.com slash donate and prepare yourselves for Sophia's Wedding, part one and two. And remember, do it with me, Matt. Stay, Stay golden. golden. That was a headgum podcast.